Hi there, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Do you have a homestead, farm, or just dream of a rural life? This is a show to help you and your kids grow your own food and grow as a person. I'm your host, Cody Hanner. I'm a homesteader, homeschool mama six, and small town enthusiast. I was raised by an old school rancher and blessed by the grace of God to have been exposed to so much of what rural life has to offer. Join me every week to talk about homesteading, homeschooling, and growth with a homestead education. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Homestead Education Podcast. Today, I have Mary Pat Sass on. Um, I'm excited to have her because she has been such a fun influencer that I've been following for a while, and I just want to be able to share her story. So welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So tell us a little bit about yourself. I am a farm wife and a mom from Northern Illinois. I actually grew up in the dairy industry in Wisconsin, so farmer's daughter turned farmer's wife. And (laughs) yeah, I, four years ago, I quit my corporate career. I was working in ag technology. Um, Four years ago is when my son was born. So I decided after I became a mom that I, my dreams really changed a lot and I wanted to be home and be more supportive to my family. And I felt just that's where God was calling me to be. So I left my job and have started my own businesses since it definitely wasn't in the plan for me to be uh, I guess working again, kind of part time. Uh, but I've just created my own thing while keeping my family as my main focus. I love yeah. that. Yeah. You know, I my 18 year old son came home the other night, and my husband had made my chili recipe. Mm-hmm. And he walked in the door, and he's like, "Oh, I've missed that smell." And like, he came in and he ate like three bowls because that's what eighteen year old boys do. Mm-hmm. And he's like, "I've decided if I can't find a woman that cooks, I'm not marrying her." And my husband goes, well, don't find one that starts her own business because she'll just teach you to cook and make you do it. Yes. I will say if there's any advice, don't knock a girl if she doesn't know how to cook when you first meet her, depending on how old you are. Because when I met my husband, I definitely was not at the level that I am now. (laughs) I totally get it. I I teach all my boys to cook. So that's great. Oh, my goodness. I I have five boys. So that's such a skill for them and hopefully will really help with their lady situation someday. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, I love your story because it's just, it's such a story that resonates with so many people right now that, I mean, I worked in corporate agriculture myself. I did food safety in like commodity plants and okay. to turn around and I actually joke, my dad was a cattle rancher and a pig hunting guide. And now I'm a pig farmer. So I think I got my wires crossed somewhere. You did. <laughs> melded into this I love it right we love it though like our pigs are so fun and they you know the kids can all help and I get to wear mm-hmm. my fun little pig shirts and I love you know. that yes. <laughs> cool so what do you guys have on your farm we're mostly cr- crops so corn and soybeans we're I guess you know the stereotypical commercial farmer we do have some hobby animals so I have backyard chickens and I adore them <laughs> and they're laying hens and I also have a couple of I mean I just kind of doubled my cattle herd. So we had one cow and calf and we just bought three more cows and two more calves. So that I, oh, that's more than double. Yeah, I know. It's I mean, I don't know how many we're going to keep yet. We're t- still trying to decide because I we farm with my husband's family. So his father-in-law and then his two brothers. So it's like four families all together working mm-hmm. together. So still trying to decide if they'll all be ours. We wrote the check for all of them, but we might kind of split them up. So we don't have as many. I don't know. But the goal with that is more just 
self-sustainability and being able to provide beef for our family, mm-hmm. not really going uh, as far as like into business or anything, but I really do love the animal side coming from the dairy industry myself. So, right. We have a small dairy cattle herd. We have you a little, do. yeah. I mean, we have, let's see, we have two bred heifers right now. We have two cows that this is their older, their milk cows. Mm-hmm. And then we have two dairy heifers okay. that um, are getting bred this year. I just bought a brown Swiss bull. So, oh, cool. I love yeah. Swiss. They're so cute. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then my Angus girls, they go to the neighbors and hang out with their Hereford bull every year. So, I love that. Hopefully, we'll get some baldies. I love them. They're yes. so cute. <laughs> That's my mother in law has Herefords. But uh, the first beef heifer that I had is actually, she's half Holstein, half Semmental. So she could milk a lot if I chose nice. to do that. Yeah. I was tempted when she had her first calf because she had a beautiful udder, but they start, they just regulate just like a human, really, you know, when you're how much your baby's eating or whatever. Um, so she has just like a beef cow udder now. It's kind of sad. <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> we have our favorite is a Dexter Jersey cross. Okay. And yeah. like, I sell some of my other girls milk, like just kind of our excess. I feed it to the pigs. I, mm-hmm. you know, we pretty much our beef is just for ourselves, but our two Angus girls, we're probably going to sell either sell their calves or feed them out and butcher retail cuts. But, and then we, our beef comes from our like dairy beef crosses, mm-hmm. but oh my gosh, these Dexter, uh, what was it? De- Dexter Jersey crosses. Their milk is amazing. Like butter fat. Oh my gosh. And the flavor is so good. Like, Mm -hmm. I mean, that is, we look forward to when she calves every year. Mm -hmm. Cause that's our, that's like our milk. Like we don't share that milk. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. I bet a lot of people don't know how different each breed's milk is. Right. It really is. It's such a difference. And honestly, like, you know, I, grew up like with a cattle ranch and I wanted nothing to do with the dairy. Mm -hmm. Like when I went to college, I was like, dairy? Nope. Like I wouldn't, I ended up not even doing a dairy rotation in college. Like Mm. I, I think I did all the other units and, but of course we, you you had like some options. And so I chose the um, butcher plant because I was going into food safety anyways. Mm -hmm. And when my husband and I bought our ranch a few years ago, the first thing he said is like, we need to get a dairy cow. And I was like, no, (laughs) (laughs) now I love my girls, but. Oh, that's awesome. My kids show them and mm-hmm. that's a lot of fun. We have a really small fair. So, you know, there's only a handful of kids that show dairy. So my kids are kind of, they get to kind of like dominate it and it's fun, you know? So, yeah, I love, yeah, it's fun. I showed as well growing up. I hope I can give our kids that opportunity, but I don't have any experience showing beef and it's so different. So it we'll is have a but... steep learning curve if we choose to go that route. Yeah. My son wanted to do a steer this year and I bought him a steer and then I'm like, I, don't, I just don't think you're mature enough yet. So we're going to butcher this steer and buy him a steer next year. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of kids that show steers locally. But I mean, when I say a lot, we're in such a small county. I think there's 30 kids. Okay. Like I'm a pig leader and I think there's 150 pigs this year. So. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. And for our county size, that's ginormous because some of the big fairs I've been to have like 300. And so mm-hmm. with us having 150 at our size, that's. That's a lot. Yeah a lot of kids to manage <laughs> yes for sure <laughs> so um well tell us a little bit about the um corn and soybean industry like I think there's a lot of you know this is a homestead podcast a lot of people are like <gasps> corn and soybean but there's such <laughs> a <laughs> it's it's such a vital market and so I'd, I'd love to just hear a little bit more about it yeah I mean 
it's a it's a different kind of business, right? We're more we're price takers, not really price makers as far as having to adjust our business based on the markets. We market a lot of our grain to uh, ethanol plants because that's really well, I think something that a lot of people don't understand is where your crop goes really depends on the infrastructure around you and the different businesses around to process. We grow both conventional and uh, non like GMO corn. We also grow both food grade and GMO soybeans. So we kind of are unique in that way that um, we diversify a lot. And that's kind of been a strategy to keep our farm viable as far as not having resistance issues or trying to manage in different ways so that we're not doing the same thing every single year on the same fields and whatnot. Disease, pests, all of that kind of management, trying to be really ahead of the game on that. Um, so our food grade beans, most of them are exported to wherever. I mean, a lot of the times they've been going to, uh, Asia for the most part. Yep. And they, I was, when I worked at the walnut plants, like almost everything went to Asia. It was really interesting. Yep. We also have, uh, some corn that goes down to poultry processors in the Southeast. Otherwise a lot of it is ethanol and trying to think. It's interesting once you get into understanding where everything goes, but if our corn goes to be ethanol, then there's the uh, distiller's grain byproduct. And sometimes that's even exported around us to other countries as uh, animal feed. So I would say Mm -hmm. the majority of what we grow, though, probably doesn't go to human consumption for the most part. Yep. Um, If it does, it's not, you know, our corn is going into products like... uh, starch type of products not really or you know it's separated the the elements of the grain are separated and used as ingredients not necessarily it's not going to be eaten you know Uh. sweet corn is what's canned and eaten but ours is more of like an ingredient or plastics that kind of different there's so many different things if you want to go down a rabbit hole google (laughs) corn and soybean uses yeah and it's in a lot of things Yeah, it's insane the amount of things that it goes into. Like, Mm -hmm. it's it's really interesting. Like, I like to break that down for the kids I teach in my co-op of everything that can happen. Mm -hmm. Of course, my son's in, my six-year-old son's in one of my co-op classes that I teach. And all he got out of it this week is that chickens have esophaguses. So (laughs) (laughs) That's something to know. (laughs) Right? I was like, I taught these kids so much and they were so involved. And I was like he walked into the living room the other day and he was like, my esophagus hurts. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, I learned about that in my chicken class. Chickens have esophaguses too. And I'm like, did you know I'm your teacher? Like, were you there? He's acting like you weren't there, but you were. Right. There. <laughs> He's kind of a crack up like that, but yeah. Um. So you said you have a few businesses yourself. What, Um. you have cheese, is it? Yeah, I've, I've been kind of through different things on my journey since I left corporate egg, I started sharing our farm story. So that's become a business as far as promoting on, on for different egg brands and whatnot, Mm -hmm. social media. And then I started selling cheese, which so coming from the dairy farm, my family, all of their milk went to a creamery in Wisconsin and Wisconsin is known for its cheeses. Illinois is where I live now. And it has there's no selection for cheeses in here. We're like neighboring states. And for some reason we just don't get the good cheese. So that was, I moved from Northern California to Northern Idaho where Northern California is all about like foodie stuff. 
Mm-hmm. And then I moved to North Idaho and they're like, here's your cheddar. <laughs> and I was really bummed. Like it took me a minute to find some good cheeses up here. Yes. Yeah. And I wanted to bring those cheeses to our friends and neighbors in Illinois. That's really, I just started marketing cheese from this creamery where my family's milk was sent. It turned into a business where we started shipping across the U.S. And it's all just marketing and bringing people, making people aware of the cheese and getting it in their hands. My family retired from the dairy industry in 2021. So I had a couple of years under my belt with the cheese business and then they got out of it and I at first, I felt a little bit of a lost connection because my family was no longer providing milk to this creamery, but mm. it ended up becoming kind of a beautiful, I don't know, It's I started a different business and then I needed help with the cheese business and my dad showed interest. So he had poured oh, wow. 35 years into the dairy industry and now he still has a way to stay connected to it and market a product that he loves and he spent his whole life on. So he took over the shipping side and I have other family members that have kind of helped start take over the businesses. I've kind of grown to this place where I have a lot of interest and I'm trying to hone in on yeah. where I want to be spending my time. And uh, I'm happy to share something that I poured a lot of energy into as well with people that I love to keep them going or keep them, I don't know, busy, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's awesome. I I love that that your dad was able to find interest in that. I um unfortunately my dad passed away several years ago, but when he first retired from he owned shipyards. And when he first retired, I was like, "Oh my gosh, what is he going to do?" Like I'm a little I was a little worried about what he was going to do with his time. And he was like, "Hey, I have hunted my entire life. Like I'm opening a hunting guide business and this is my thing." And he was so happy. Like he worked as a, he ran a hunting guide business for the next 15 years before he passed away. And he was so happy. I love that. Like He just got to get up every morning and go hunting. Like he was just mm-hmm. over the moon. <laughs> yeah. I think there's something to be said about having something that fills your cup in retirement. And he also has a hay business. So he does that during the summer and then ships cheese in the winter. So that's perfect. Yep. Like our neighbors do hay and I never see my husband because he's always over there. So yeah. <laughs> Yep. He's their mechanic. So so, sort of their mechanic. Like we trade mechanic work for hay. Nice. That's a good deal. Yeah. It it works really nice, but the neighbors are really good at breaking everything. Oh. (laughs) So my husband's like, I'm gonna go work in our at our barn today. And never mind the neighbors called. And I'm like, bye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) I'll see you when I see you. Like yesterday I actually went out to the fields. I was like, I'm bored and I haven't seen you in days. So I'm just gonna come hang out and sit in the field with you and yeah, eat snacks. So Mm -hmm. nice. (laughs) I'm sure you know that story. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) So what's it like farming like multifamily farming? Oh uh it's a blessing and it's a challenge because you're working with people who you care and love a lot. So it's kind of hard sometimes uh, just keeping that balance, I guess, of Mm -hmm. work and family. So we're, yeah, I think it's good. We've been working as far as like, oh gosh, I don't even know how to word this. Sorry. But we've been trying to, we've been, it's kind of, it is a challenge because three brothers, like that's my in-laws had three boys all three boys came back to the farm. So it is a challenge, I guess, finding where everyone 
feels the most comfortable as far as their role goes. And I think that's something we're continuing to work on and as also spouses and like how they're involved in the farm. But overall, I feel really blessed to be a part of this family because everyone is so respectful and kind to each other. And it's not the throwing wrenches at each other swear words that I've seen in the past sometimes with farm family. So I can consider oh, myself yeah. blessed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, I, yeah, I get that one. Yep. <laughs> I grew up um, in shipyards where my dad and his brothers owned the business together. And then all my brothers and male cousins all worked there. And I was the only one who would come down and work in the office. And yeah, that was a fun life. Yeah. Yep. But I do think I, I love what we're able to do. And I especially love that as an immediate family, I guess we get to I get to bring the kids out to see their dad and, you know, it is still like he's a business owner. So we, we are able to have the kids out with him and it's not like he's going to work somewhere and we can't. So even though the hours, yeah, even though the hours do get long, different seasons, uh, we're able to spend a lot of time as a family together. Yeah. I definitely love that for like the families that get to be home. You know, I did, I do homeschool with my kids in my lap and I get to work and, be there with them at the same time. So mm-hmm. it's I mean, even, yeah, even my teens, like I have two 14 year olds still at home doing school and like they sit in the living room and do their work and I work on my business and we're all doing it together and they help me run my business too. So I can be like, Hey, time out, like log into this app and help me do this real quick, you know? And cool. that's a lot of fun. And my daughter gets to travel with me um, all over the United States to conferences. So that's yeah. been both of them have this year, but she travels with me more. Just she does a little better in the booth. And so do you have twins, a boy and a girl <laughs> that are 14? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, have... It's a we have six kids. OK, that's awesome. Yeah. And our only girl is a twin. So <laughs> she doesn't even like have her own like spot in the world, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but I I don't know. That's but... got to be a different bond after five boys. <laughs> It is. Yeah. And like, she's the first one to jump in. Like I was, um, the day we're recording this yesterday was, you know, like the national daughter's day. So everyone's uh-huh. posting pictures of daughters and I'm flipping through trying to find pictures of her. And there's like her shooting her AR, her show, her steer, you know, and I'm just like, this girl's kind of fun, you know? Yes. She's awesome. It sounds like. Yeah. Like the only <laughs> like silly picture I, well, I found her prom pictures. And then the only silly picture, she had like a meat bird over her head, like doing, I don't know, some sort of sacrifice with it. I'm not sure what was happening. <laughs> <there>. so, <laughs> Funny. Yeah. I was, I was like that. That's her too. So that needs to be in there, you know? Yeah. Yep. Definitely. She's like the animal whisperer. So mm-hmm. she's the first one to jump out and do those types of things. Like she somebody wrecked on the highway by our house and lost their little chihuahua and she was out there every day for like three days trying to catch this little chihuahua oh she finally caught it in a live trap with a half of a grilled cheese sandwich so (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing I love I love that story wow (laughs) (laughs) it's just always something in our house like Mm -hmm. my three-year-old's really my hoot he was I caught him trying to start an IV on a dog the other day so he's ready for the world he is like, I don't know, like he, we couldn't find him at one point and he was out trying to jumpstart the tractor. So he couldn't get it to start because we took the keys out because we know him. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh my goodness. So he was Hilarious. out there like trying to hook up jumper cables to it. I was like, oh my gosh, child, like I I don't have the energy for you. He's the youngest. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. 
lots of fun though. They keep you going for sure. Absolutely do. So, um, talking a little bit about, you know, families on the farm, you came up with a really fun product, which is actually like kind of why I called you onto the podcast was because I'm all about returning to our roots and I'm writing my, um, history book right now that is all about, um, food and ag sociology, um, for teens to read. And then I came across your journals that you came out with. I don't know if they're called journals or not. Yeah. And that's what I wanted to really chat about. So do you want to tell us a little bit about how those came about? Yeah. The idea really came very quickly. I mean, it was the seed was planted, I'll say, really quickly after I quit my job. And at the time, my husband's grandpa was still alive and we were over at their house just chatting about their farm life because they uh, they we are pretty close to Chicago, that part of Illinois. And okay. uh, so they grew vegetables and their market was Chicago. They would bring them to market. And my father-in-law can remember riding to market with his dad with vegetables and oh, they fun. moved. Yeah. So they moved West because the city has expanded a lot. Yeah. And we settled, you know, about an hour West of Chicago. So we, there were so many cool conversations we would have with them sitting around their kitchen table. And I think, I think they downplayed how interested we were in their story because they were always like, well, we don't really remember all those details. I I don't, cause we would ask specific questions. Cause it's just so intriguing to hear huh? where, where you've come from. And my grandmother-in-law said, I really wish I would have written more down. And at the time I still kind of free journal sometimes. And I had a journal at the time cause I had been going through a lot. Obviously the decision to leave my job was huge. Yeah. And becoming a mom was huge. So I had been journaling quite a bit about those experiences and it was that conversation that night was significant enough for me to journal about it. And I just, through the years, as my son was growing, I had wanted to really keep good records of what we were doing, but it was so hard for me because I didn't have a, a plan. Like it was, you sat down with a blank piece of paper. What do I write about? And- I admit, I have never been a free journaler, but like, yes. One of my best, like, making me feel good is, like, get out my planner and fill in all the mm-hmm. blanks. Yep. I, I am a paper planner person <laughs> as well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I just felt like if we're going to be consistent with this, I need something that's going to be easier. And I had gotten these prompted journals for our kids when they were babies. And that was from a different brand. But I was thinking about it. I thought through and I was like, why isn't there something like this for farmers? So I created a prompted journal type of book for farmers. And one of them is a memoir. So if you're retired or if you're close to retirement, it kind of helps you recollect your years farming all the way from childhood through. And it's not a lot of, it's not super intimidating as far as pages goes, but there's room for photos and there is room for free journaling as well. If there's, you know, topics that you want to expand on, but the prompts are really meant to help spark the memories for these folks who have been so much and been through so much in their lifetime to write about their experiences and they're not just sitting down with a blank piece of paper. I mean, if I think about it, my grandpa farmed with horses until he was in high school and now we're driving oh, tractors wow. that we're almost to the point of having tractors that don't eat a driver. Like it's crazy. Yeah. So it helps kind of my son's organize. a little bit of a read everything on farm mechanic history, mm-hmm. so I've been getting a little bit of like He's high functioning autistic. So that's like 
currently he's really focused on farm mechanics so Mm -hmm. like some of the facts I was really interested in but yeah sorry that was no no that's okay it's amazing how much things have changed Mm -hmm. and anyway I the memoir was really for those older generations to recollect for us to be able to have those memories and keep them alive through future generations and I also created yearly journals for people who are still actively farming and it's a way to keep simple memories throughout every year and you can kind of keep track of what's changed and you know all of the details that we as farmers might care about like how each season went the struggles that we faced the the things that went really well and the things we want to keep doing and lean into goals for the future all of that stuff Oh, wow. I, I kind of imagined it like a baby book for each harvest or something. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, it's nine pages per year. So and I think, oh, wow. uh, I mean, if I were to time myself, I bet it could be done within a couple hours. The prompts are really meant to make it simplified. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's really neat. Um, So did like your in-laws help you think of things to put in there? Or is this coming from your own experience or... The memoir, I did get their input on, and then I also got my dad's input and another local farmer. I sat down with them and got their input. So it was a collaboration, but I started with just a Word document with prompts, and then we kind of weeded out what were going to be the ones that were going to make the cut. And for the yearly journals, it was really me and my husband and our like friends, the people who are still in it daily, and Uh my dad. My dad, so there's two versions of the yearly. There's one for crop farmers and one for dairy farmers. And that's something I plan on expanding is to kind of incorporate more types of farms. So more like diversified uh, livestock and crop type of combinations that'll fit more types of farmers because there are so many different types of farms Mm -hmm. out there. And anyway, those two versions were created by the crop farmers and the dairy farmers. So we got to dip it, dip our toes into the other versions, but I just haven't gotten to them yet. So that's so fun. Um, have you considered doing like a homestead one, like a small scale farm type? Yes, that's, I have a, I can, I look at it every day and there's four post-it notes for the next versions that I'm creating and, uh, diversified, which would be like animals, crops, garden type of questions. It fits mm-hmm. into that homestead category. I love that. I mean, I don't know the homestead is such a new movement like I said I I mean it's not a new movement but you know what I'm saying like the kind of back to your roots food movement Mm -hmm. is fairly new over the last like I don't know what 10 years or something like that yeah I think it even took off more after COVID just Mm, people people being able to work remote so many jobs going remote and Mm -hmm. having the option if I had yeah I quit my job before COVID and remote was still already a thing but not at the level it is today. And I just think that it's opened the doors for a lot of people to be more independent on their own on a chunk of land. I love it. And I love the, like the desire to learn that's coming with it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that was kind of, for me, that's, that was the biggest one is that like, it inspired me to like research more and learn. And then I find so many other more people want to talk about it. And so it just kind of, but I don't know, kind of off topic a little, but it's one of the, that was the exciting part for me with that. And so I know there's a lot of people that are really interested that really like the journaling and stuff kind of in that niche. And so I just thought of that for you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every, every year on a homestead, something new is happening, you know, 
we have, we don't live on our farm. We live a couple of miles away. So mm-hmm. we have like, we live on five acres and this year we're putting up an animal barn and heck yeah, I would write about that in a journal and they right. experience just the whole journey of getting that project done. Mm-hmm. And, and like, yeah. we definitely like, I keep my, you know, my farm records and stuff, but there's that we rotate through what we're doing. Like at one point quail was like our biggest income producer. And, you know, that was during COVID and stuff. And it was a great income producer. It gave me the money that I needed to invest in a much bigger herd of hogs. Mm-hmm. And that was a really great opportunity for me for a while there quail kind of backed off as an excitement because people were all getting quail because they could, you know, raise them in their backyards and that type of thing. Now they're starting to get popular again. And I'm like, I miss my quail. Like I actually genuinely enjoyed them. And I am incubating a group right now, not actually to get started back into quail, but because I teach a survival class Okay. Um, for teenagers. And so I'm incubating the quail, raise them out for six weeks. And right after Thanksgiving, I'm going to teach the kids all how to um, harvest and field dress them, like without having to use knives, like if you were. Wow. In the woods. So yeah. That is so cool. Yeah, the kids are stoked. And it's like, I bring them pictures of the eggs in the incubator every week. And then as they hatch, I'll bring them pictures and they're like, they're really, really excited. Like next tomorrow, we're actually, we're having a grizzly specialist come in and teach the kids about grizzly safety because we're in North Idaho. So Mm -hmm. wow, it's such a cool class. Like the kids are digging it. So I love that. So cool. Real life skills for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, with the journaling with that is like, you know, I forgot how much I love the quail and how much like the kids, like my little kids, they are just so involved in it. And my daughter, like she learned so much and she gets, you know, goes down her own rabbit trails where she was like, you know, we found that we needed to sanitize the eggs to get a better hatch. And so of course we write that down in our farm journal or not farm journal in our farm records type stuff so that we have, you know, the recipe to make the sanit the sanitation that we do and stuff but to be able to like just remember like how much the littles loved it and how much my daughter grew in um putting together like a farm management plan and that type of stuff like I would love to be able to circle back to those things so I really love that concept Mm -hmm. the things that are more about what your yield less about yields and more about like you know reaping the benefits of what you sow with your family Mm -hmm. and I don't know, just that part of the or what you just said made me think about one of the pages. It's just a yearly summary and they're all very quick hits. So it brings out just little things that you might want to remember. And some of the ones that are coming to mind, because I don't have it right in front of me right now is mm-hmm. um, who, what was the most impactful thing you did for your operation this year? Like one, the, what is the one thing that you felt like was the most impactful and who was someone who helped make a difference on the farm like outside of the family who is a person like that supported you or gave you some advice or anything you know so those kind of memories I don't know are really important to me I think about in my life different mentors and different people that I've had come and go and I don't know it's these types of memories will lead to stories that we can tell our kids and our grandkids and I don't know I've eat that kind of stuff up so (laughs) you know it's really beautiful I see a lot of um you know, businesses online now that you can like send in a bunch of photos or something and they send you back like a photo book and it's supposed to be like memories. And I'm like, it's all just so digitalized. Mm-hmm. And so just to be marketing something that you're just taking and like writing in, like it just feels really, um, I don't know. It feels like there's more of a connection there with that. Yeah. I had several ask me if I was going to do a digital version when I came out with, when I launched the company 
And I haven't even really explored it because I think there's something so special about having that person's handwriting in a book. Yeah. If they can still write. Obviously, there's grandparents who can't, but even if it's an aunt or an uncle doing the recording and it's the sitting down with a grandparent having the conversation, that's like a huge thing too, is this is a conversation starter. Yeah, it you is. Know? Sorry, I'm laughing because we're both obviously on farms doing this. There's <laughs> yeah. flies everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> we just got done. The neighbor, we live right above some hop fields. We have like the weirdest spot. We live above hop fields and they just finished harvest. So everything's mulching right now. The neighbors have a maggot farm where they actually raise flies for like fishing bait and for pollination in the big uh, greenhouses and stuff. And then we're hog farmers. So it is a disaster. Like flies are driving me. And then the dogs broke the doggy door. Oh. So so like we had like a week of just like fly super highway it's driving my office usually stays shut but there was a couple still in here so Mm -hmm. (laughs) gotta love farm life yep for sure (laughs) I felt really bad like the um we I said we had a rack up on the highway and I drove up there to check on the sheriff and see if he needed anything and like his white truck was just all like spotted with flies I was like oh well this is what North Idaho looks like this time of year so Mm -hmm. it's so diverse by you just the agriculture is a lot more diverse than around us. We do don't, we don't have as much livestock in our area. Mm. Even going up North into Wisconsin, the topography just is more suited for livestock and down here it's flatter and mm. more of the stereotypical corn belt type of. Oh yeah. We have so much diversity. Like looking out, I have hops, cattle, canola, cabanza beans. Mm-hmm. That's just looking out my window right here. <laughs> Crazy. And I'm yeah. kind of up on a hill, so I'm overlooking the valley so I can see. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, there's a lot of, it's kind of, you know, more, a lot more small farms up here too. So like I said, you know, the neighbors have a maggot farm, we're a pig farm. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of a little bit of everything, but we don't end up with the, like the large, um, like confinement pig mm-hmm. farms. Like they're a little bit smaller, a little, like we aren't, past- we're not pasture pigs or anything like that. We have large breed we raise them for show and stuff so mm-hmm. but they're out there on dirt they're not in a confinement barn so mm-hmm. it definitely keeps the smell and stuff down mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> I call them my my dirt pigs mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it so what has been the um kind of people's reaction to this coming out and releasing them besides wanting digital <laughs> I have only had a couple people bring up digital I think everyone's been I've had very positive uh, interactions about it and just having something to organize the thoughts and memories that we all cherish and hope to save for the future and I've uh, the other thing I do is uh, customize the covers so if you have a farm logo or if you just have words or names that you want written on it I'm able to customize it and I am like a one-woman shop so I do everything here in this very messy office behind me but uh, that was Can something you see that my I... shipping and conference flag <laughs> behind me. I mean, <laughs> where you're not alone, anyway. Um, so I found like the personalization aspect of it and being able to make it a real true keepsake um, has been something that I've gotten a lot of great feedback on as well. Oh, I just love, love that. that. Part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, it was a whole journey trying to figure out. I was very picky in what I wanted with the books and every little detail that went into them. So I feel like it was a long process, but I'm really, really happy with how they turned out. 
Okay. It's like on a logistics standpoint, are you self-printing or are you sending them out to be I'm printed? S- sending them out to be printed. Yep. So. Okay. Nice. So you definitely mm-hmm. get that. I mean, I, Hey, when I first released my curriculum, I shipped, I printed right out of my office and we bound them here and everything, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was, it was a huge investment from the beginning. Cause I've had different mm-hmm. things that I wanted. I wanted leather covers. I wanted it to be real leather. Uh, I didn't want wow. vegan leather cause I want to support animal agriculture and everything. Yeah. And so just making sure those details, the page quality, making sure there was like a little ribbon in there to separate out the page you were writing on, you know, all the little details. Oh, wow. It took a long time to get in there and figure out, but, and I ordered samples from several different companies and that got really expensive, but I was able to figure yeah. out exactly what I wanted. So. I love that they can be customized. Like I'm just, I'm like making a note right now. <laughs> Yeah, I well, I have ours. I can show you, but your listeners won't be able to see it. Um, this um, I did sometimes like a, I, I steal like pictures and okay, yeah, yeah. So this is ours, but I had wow. gotten different lasers to test on. So this was like a test laser, and I'm enough of a frugal franny that I won't get rid of this test one that I did on the original laser, even though it's not. It's really a lot not how I, the ones that the, my final product has turned out, but anyway, um, yeah, it's. I love that they're able to be kind of a keepsake forever. Yeah, that's really beautiful. Like, thank you for sharing that because I'll snag a picture and mm-hmm. um, put that out with it. But, you know, those of you that are listening, it is a really beautiful um, book. It lo- it reminds me of like an old yearbook or something. Yeah. Yep. There's a different like earthy co- colors. It's, you know, hopefully going to complement our agriculture roots and working outside every day and kind of honoring you know, that this way of life that we're living. I absolutely love that. Um, so we're kind of getting closer to the end of our time. Um, mm-hmm. one thing that I love to ask all of my guests is what does keep growing mean to you? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've, I've been on, I've been asked different questions about this, like kind of, I guess, along the same lines in a different way. Sorry. I'm just thinking through here. No, it's great. That's how I get the best answers. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I'm pretty passionate about really spending your time in ways that brings you the most joy. So for me, it's keep growing is honing in on how you're spending your time. Like don't fill your time with things that aren't really, really filling your cup. And I've had to learn that, I guess, over the past few years with little kids and making sure that I want to be there for them as the mom that makes the renowned chili, you know, <laughs> and I, I want to be that mom and I don't want to be so busy that I can't be there and present for them. But I also want to be doing these things like grounded journals that fill my cup. So I think it's keep growing is continuing to be really diligent in how you're choosing to spend your time and who you're surrounding yourself with. I love that. I, you know, I, when you kind of took a minute and you're like, I'm really sorry. And I was like, no, this is how I get the best answers. I find a lot of people, the first thing they say is, well, keep growing is to keep learning. Well, I mean, and then they give me these gems and Mm -hmm. hearing what you had to say just now, like I've been really stressed over the last week or so, like making some big changes in my business. And I was so upset the other day and I felt so just to my max with my business. And I just stopped and turned to my husband and I was like, get me in the woods. Like take Mm -hmm. me hunting, take me on an adventure. And we 
we, we just went out grouse hunting, like with the kids in the truck, we had snacks mm-hmm. and we ended up giving up hunting completely and trying to see if we could figure out a back road that took us over into the next state and dropped down and went and got dinner. And it was just like, I needed that, those things that filled my cup. So I think like, like I said, it's, you always just need to hear that from someone else. So. Yeah. And keep growing might not look like growth to someone else, but for you, it probably is exactly what you need to be doing to be living Mm -hmm. a fulfilled life. I don't know. That's how I feel about it, but I really love that. So do you want to tell everyone where they can find you and where they can find your products? And yeah, I am on social media at marypat.sass pretty much everywhere. Um, I try to keep it consistent. And then the journal business is grounded journals. I have a website. It's groundedjournals.co. And yeah, you can find me there. I also podcast. It's uh, with a fellow farm wife from the Midwest and we share on Beyond the Crops. That has been oh, my, fun. yeah, it's been my favorite way to create content recently. It's fun to have a partner in crime and be able to talk about yeah. living and raising kids on a farm. Um, and we also dive into quite a few things with commercial farming and uh, agronomy type of topics, if that interests you. Yeah. Interests me. I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> yeah. You are officially going on my When I Hide from the Kids in the Garden podcast list. (laughs) I love that. I can't wait till my kids are old enough so I can hide from them. (laughs) Well, you know what? My daughter has finally learned that there's something very cathartic about listening to a podcast or an audiobook while weeding the garden, Mm -hmm. which has been great. But then she follows me out there to have our alone time away from like the toddlers and stuff. And Mm -hmm. sometimes then she wants to talk and I'm like, I love you. And I love wanting to have this like alone time to talk. But this was my time. (laughs) (laughs) Follow me into the kitchen later or something. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I will talk to you in the kitchen. (laughs) Yeah, I can't imagine six. I only have two, but it does feel like a lot some days. So. So are you willing to share the name of the cheese company too? Yeah, it's the Cheesery. Um, the website there is the Cheesery dot or the Cheesery il dot com. So it was supposed to be the Cheesery Illinois, but my dad still lives in Wisconsin. We just kept the name the same. But Love yeah, it. and he'll start. I think he's starting to ship in. I don't know when is this going to air. Mm, probably in October sometime. Okay, I think his first order or he's he's doing orders for Christmas. So if that's if you are wanting some great Wisconsin cheese delivered to your door, he'll start doing that soon. I love it. I will definitely be hitting that up as well. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you so much for coming on. I've been so excited to get to have this chat with you and hear all about your story behind your journals. And I really appreciate you coming on and sharing that with everyone. Thanks for having me, Cody. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Did you enjoy today's episode? If so, please head over to your favorite podcast player and leave a comment and review. This helps me to know what you're enjoying and helps others find an episode that can help them. Thank you for joining me today at the Homestead Education, and I hope that I have given you something to think about this week. To help others find me, please comment and leave a review on your favorite podcast player. You can also follow me on Facebook at the Homestead Education and Instagram at Homestead underscore education. Do you have questions that you would like answered or just want to say hi? please email me at hello at the homesteadeducation.com. Until next time, keep growing.